Welcome to FMC Radio, your officially unofficial source for all things Free Methodist. From in-depth discussions with key FMC leaders to daily updates from General Conference, we want to keep a consistent stream of information flowing to you regarding where God is leading the Free Methodist Church. I'm your host, Josh Avery, and I want to invite you to sit back, relax, and join us as we learn together now what it means to be Free Methodists in this episode of the FMC Radio Show. Hey, everybody. As B.T. Roberts once said, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here. And it is March 2nd, 2020. This is episode 139. And uh, just a couple things, and they're all missions related. Of course, you know already we are going to pray for Free Methodist World Missions. But before we do that, uh, Free Methodist World Missions has uh, children's curriculum that they put out every year, actually. And, and I'm fairly new to this. I, I didn't realize this. I didn't know much about it. Um, and I was looking over the newsletter from Free Methodist World Missions um, just this past week and uh, found out that they were announcing, hey, we've got our 2020 study ready. And I was like, what, what is this? So I looked at it, um, and it is a pretty amazing curriculum. So in 2019, uh, they did a study, and the study is always called Missions Alive. It's a curriculum for children. You could use it in Sunday school, um, if you have a Wednesday night program, whatever it is. Uh, but in 2019, they actually did a South America study. It's grades one through six. And involved in this is, I mean, it's a lot of information and it's all free. It's 155 pages worth, if you were to print it out, of stuff. Uh, so Jan Coates puts that together as the editor and uh, they have everything in there from the uh, from a cool looking passport that you print out for the kids that they can get stamps or stickers for each of the weeks they're there. They're learning about different places. So for 2019, again, for South America, they're learning about different places Free Methodists are involved in and the ministry that's happening and how they can pray for them, raise funds. Um, so they have this passport you print out that you say, hey, I was here this week, I got my stamp, and the kids are excited to come back to get their next stamp on the passport. Uh, they also have verses uh, for memory. They have uh, a lot of fun things like uh, coloring pages that are related to it, uh, songs, even recipes, crafts. Uh, so, it, I mean, it is a full curriculum for you to use with your kids, but it is <clears throat> completely free. I mean, it's amazing that this isn't on the Light and Life bookstore, you know, for purchase, because I feel like people would definitely still purchase this thing. Uh, and that's not to give any ideas to headquarters. I mean, keep this coming for free. This is a great resource for those churches that say, you know, we can't afford uh, a great children's program to go out and buy one. This is an awesome children's program, and you can buy it for free. So I mentioned over the years, they every single year they have uh, a different part of the world that they focus on. Last year was South America, 2018 was Asia, uh, 17 was Central, East, and Southern Africa. Well, this year is actually the Middle East. And as we know, in the Middle East, there are a lot of um, uh, creative access countries, situations happening. In other words, there's a lot of people that we can't talk about their stories just publicly. Um, so this year, because of the sensitive work uh, that is being done in the region, the curriculum and the videos that are involved with that curriculum are actually password protected. So you can go over to fmwm.org, hit the resources tab, 
go down to children's resources when you hit that you're going to see the uh the image pop up missions alive middle east study for grades one through six they're focusing on egypt iraq israel and jordan but when you click on the download then you're going to see um a phone number for jan Coates, and you can either email or call her in um call her on the phone and uh, you can get that password that then you download. Um, so that's something do, unique and different this year um, to get that. But I definitely would recommend if you're involved in your children's ministry or church or you, know, you have any say in your church, you just uh, know that the children's ministry is looking for some good curriculum, definitely go ahead and check this out. Um, call Janet, Jan and ask for the, the password. Um, get, the, get a hold of this Middle East study because this is an amazing way for your kids to learn about this, to learn about what's happening with Christians around the world. Um, and it's very uniquely free Methodist as well. Um, so definitely a great opportunity for you, for your church, for your kids. Um, definitely worth checking out over on fmwm.org. Now uh, also I'm going to take a look at March 2nd here. We're to pray today for Puerto Rico. And um, it instructs us here, in late December and early January, Puerto Rico suffered several strong earthquakes. These came a little more than two years after Hurricane Maria devastated the island. Pray for Christ to bring healing and hope to the people. So let's go ahead and pray for Puerto Rico now. Uh, dear God, I just ask right now, well, actually, first we just pray for those who are going to use this curriculum this year, um, the Missions Alive curriculum. We thank you for those who have put so much hard work into this. We thank you for the denomination and uh, Free Methodist World Missions and everybody who had a, a say in. They could have, they could have charged for this. Um, it's a great full curriculum and and we know they could have charged but they decided not to so we thank you for leading them in that direction so that even the churches that don't have the money for curriculums can can access access this uh, we just pray that the kids would um, fully engage in this process for the churches that are using this and um, now we pray for puerto rico we just pray that you'll be with them as uh, the earthquakes in december and january occurred throughout the country and uh, we know that that's bad enough, but the, the fact that this is two years after the hurricane hit the island uh, just makes it even worse as they're trying to repair and restore, and, and now they have to deal with the, hur with the uh, earthquakes now. And so we just pray that um, you will bring your restoration, bring your peace to this island, uh, bring your hope to the people. Um, but we just specifically ask not just that the physical restoration would happen, we do ask for that, but we, we also ask that the, the hope and the peace uh, of the people would be found not in the fact that we hope we can rebuild this building or you know, get together this community center again, but that ultimately their peace and hope would be found in you. So they know that if something happens again, if a natural disaster occurs once again, that they could still have hope, that they could still have peace and joy in you. And so we ask that you will um, just speak to them now and that you will provide our missionaries there uh, the resources and the knowledge, the wisdom to know exactly how to reach out to the people of Puerto Rico. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, um, this past week, we actually celebrated a anniversary here on the show. We completed year three of three years worth of content. Uh, we actually started this show on February 27th, 2017, so that makes three years as of February 27th of this year. So we are moving into year four now, um, and uh, excited to begin year four, have some plans for this year. Um, but uh, all the way back to February 27th for that opening episode, 
You'll remember, if you have been a long-time listener, you ever went back and listened to episode one, we did a series on the freedoms that we embrace. And so we focused on, I think it was maybe four or five uh, different freedoms that specify or set the Free Methodist Church apart from different denominations in our history and modernity. Um, and uh, it really was a great place to start because that is the question that if somebody's not familiar with the Free Methodist Church, that is one of the biggest questions that I get asked even to this day, you know, three years later. People still ask, you know, well, what is the Free Methodist? I've heard of Methodist, but what does free mean uh, in the Free Methodist? And so usually I'll just answer that question by responding with a couple of the things that I did in episode one, which is to talk about the freedom, the abolitionism uh, that B.T. Roberts were, and early Free Methodists were strong abolitionists. I usually also refer to the free pure system, that it was literally free. Uh, but there are many other freedoms, and we discussed several of those in episode one. And I thought, you know, now we're moving into year four, and this is episode 139, so 138 episodes later, I thought we would uh, have a sequel to that initial episode, and we would talk about three different freedoms from that first episode. So um, I want to focus in today on three of those things, and uh, that will include uh, readings from B.T. Roberts and some other different things. But freedom number one that I want to discuss today, the freedom of the Holy Spirit to inspire our worship. So this is how free Methodists are different from many different other denominations. Uh, this is what sets us apart, makes us unique. Freedom of the Holy Spirit to inspire our worship. Now, what does it mean by that? Well, <clears throat> there are many different denominations that are characterized specifically by the type of worship. And we'll think of an example. Uh, Roman Catholic. If I go to a Roman Catholic service, I would be very, very surprised if I went in and they started singing contemporary Christian songs with a guitar and drum set and, you know, the whole nine yards, right? And a, and a fog machine. <laughs> Let's get really intense there. They had the fog machine out there at the front, right? I would be very surprised about that. When I go to a Roman Catholic service, I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to sing, you know, more hymns. I'm going to engage in the prayers, the kneel down, stand up, you know, say this after me type stuff, because that is kind of the worship set, right? That is what you expect when you go to the Roman Catholic service. In other ways, in another sense, if you go to a non-denominational service, and that's the funny thing, you know, it's called non-denominational, but really what we're talking about is you kind of know what to expect. Because if you walk into a non-denominational service and you go in there and then they start doing everything as we've just described as a Roman Catholic service, that you go into the non-denominational service and they say, okay, now it's time to kneel, stand, say this after me. Uh, we're only doing hymns with organ only, uh, those types of things. You're going to go, well, that doesn't seem what my thought process is when I hear non-denominational. I'm thinking, you know, contemporary Christian music and modern day songs and all that. So all of that to say, with certain denominations we have right in our mind right away, when we walk into a service, what that service is going to be like. What, we're, what kind of music we're going to hear. Maybe what this sermon will be like, depending on the, that denomination. Will it be short? Will it be long? Will it be more exegetical or more topical? Right? Uh, well, when we talk about this freedom in the Free Methodist Church, the freedom of the Holy Spirit to inspire our worship, what we talk about is that our book of discipline and our history doesn't give us one set way that we are forced to adhere to. 
In other words, you can walk into a free Methodist church in the United States and have a very traditional service. You can have uh, all of the um, all of all, all of the songs be hymns, and uh, there be a lot of responses. And then you may go to a completely separate Free Methodist Church, and every single song is, you know, written within the last two years. They're all by Hillsong or whatever it is, uh, right? And then you have um, zero responses, responsive readings, and, uh, you know, a, a mostly topical sermon. Uh, so there's so many different variations of this. And a great example um, of, of modern time, you know, we just celebrated uh, Ash Wednesday. And over on Twitter, uh, there was actually a guy, sometimes I just, I find it interesting to just search the term free Methodist on Twitter. And a lot of times it comes up with free Methodist pastors, you know, individuals um, who are, who I already follow, who I already know. But every once in a while, it comes up with other people talking about free Methodism. And this past week, in terms of Ash Wednesday, there was a guy who was formerly free Methodist, I don't know how long ago, some time ago, and he was discussing with a couple other people about the differences within denominations when it came to Ash Wednesday. And he was saying, you know, well, uh, this group does Ash Wednesday, this doesn't. And he said, well, the Free Methodists, they don't actually celebrate Ash Wednesday. A lot of Methodists don't, is what this guy on Twitter was saying. Um, and so I actually came into the conversation and I just said, hey, actually, uh, that's not really the case. I know many Free Methodist churches that actually did celebrate Ash Wednesday. I know some that didn't, uh, but that is a example of the freedom of the Holy Spirit to inspire our worship. And one of our pastors over on Twitter, Ephraim Wilkoff, um, should be a familiar name to you if you're a longtime listener. He uh, he he chimed in and said, "Yeah, this is what I love about the Free Methodist Church. You know, there are many churches that are 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 getting on board more and more with liturgy. You know, that was something that for a time in many." modern churches, we were saying, well, that's an old thing. Let's get away from the liturgy. You know, that's the old way of doing things. Now we're kind of rediscovering that in the modern church. And so, well, it's certainly true that there are many churches that don't do any form of liturgy or don't practice, you know, Ash Wednesday or don't even have a Good Friday service. You know, they just stick to the Sundays and the, you know, the, those kind of things. Um, it is also simultaneously true that there are just as many people in the Free Methodist Church that do uh, adhere to liturgy, to the, to the calendar, who you will find responsive readings, who will celebrate Ash Wednesday. And so, um, you know, this is important for us to understand that in the Free Methodist Church, we have a freedom for the Holy Spirit to guide each community, each pastor, each church to inspire how that worship happens. And of course, you know, that doesn't mean we can just make up whatever we want off the top of our head and, and say, well, now this week we're going to, you know, do some some chanting and, you know, set literal sacrifice of an animal. You know, <laughs> we don't get it's, it. There are bounds, boundaries there, of course. But the Holy Spirit within the bounds of of sound Christendom can inspire our worship. So this is an amazing freedom that we have that sometimes people might just take for granted. But when we look at other denominations, it's, it's just not always always there. All right, let's look at our next one here. The second one that I want to discuss is the freedom to experience transformation in sanctification via the Holy Spirit versus just sin management. And after I read these, I know I need to explain because it's just listening to audio. It's, it's going to be harder to follow along, I guess. But this freedom to experience transformation in your life 
in sanctification. Now, if you're not familiar with what sanctification is, really, we should devote an entire episode to this, uh, a discussion on sanctification with somebody who's far more qualified than myself. Um, but sanctification is ultimately holiness. It's being holy as God is holy. And I know if you're like me, most of my life, you look at that, you hear that, and you go, oh, I, I don't like the sounds of that. Because not that you wouldn't want to be holy, that you wouldn't want to do right, but it's like, that almost sounds wrong, right? Be holy as God is holy. But that's a quote right out of scripture. Time and time again, God tells us that we need to be holy as he is holy. And so this freedom is that, that the Free Methodist Church teaches is that, listen, you can experience transformation in your life through sanctification, not of your own works. It's not like you go out there and, hey, if you work really hard, you're going to be holy. If you work just super hard every day doing good things, you're going to be a holy person. That sanctification, that transformation comes via a miracle in your life through the Holy Spirit. The alternative is just sin management. And this is what most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have, have believed and done our, most of our lives. I mean, my life has been that. You know, I've used a phrase like, hey, listen, I'm a sinner. I'll always be a sinner until the day I die. That's just how it is this side of heaven. And it's, it's really a sin management thing. Like, hey, there's sin in my life. I got to work on this. But really, I'm never going to be rid of this sin because ultimately our world is sinful. And so I'll never be holy as God is holy because I mean, how could I be? You know, I'm a sinful, messed up human being. And these are the things that many of us have heard, that we've said, that we believe. Now, of course, there's all sorts of questions surrounding uh, this sanctification. It can be a very uh, controversial topic, really. And people can, people can even uh, get up in arms about this. But I think what I wanted to do today to talk a little bit more on this is not just continue to uh, give you my thoughts or, or my own commentary, but to read um, from B.T. Roberts, the founder of the Free Methodist Church. And this is from a writing that he uh, did called How Holiness is Obtained. This is a teaching on holiness. Now, I'm going to read this, and uh, it's, I don't want to say super long, but it's fairly long. But I think I'm going to read all of it because... Again, he is the founder, and we're talking about holiness here. He's writing at a time where, you know, it's not the same writing style or, or uh, wording that we would use today. So just try to listen along, get what you can. Um, and I will put a link in the show notes to uh, um, where you can find this and read this on your own if you want to go back and print out, highlight, whatever it is. So this is B.T. Roberts. He says, we use the word sanctified in this chapter in the fullest sense as equivalent to sanctified holy. Holy meaning all of yourself. Determination is the first great essential to being sanctified to God. No matter how deeply one's feelings may be wrought upon, he will not go through unless he has fully decided to be holy and to lead a holy life. This decision must be an independent one. It will not do to have any secret reservation. Many profess holiness as long as they have a preacher that preaches holiness. Then, if they get another pastor who preaches publicly in a Christian pulpit, but worships secretly at the altars of Baal or in the shrine of fashion, they will follow their preacher wherever he leads. No one, while thus undecided, can ever obtain true holiness. There must be the decision of Joshua, from Joshua 24:15, where he said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Others may make an opposite choice. I may grieve over the wrong choice they make, but I will not be governed by it. 
If the multitudes goes right, I will rejoice in it. But if they go wrong, I will not go with them. It is not in battalions that we march up the path of life. It is in single file that we press along the narrow way. It is for want of this independent determination that so many who profess holiness do not hold out. They lean on others, and when their earthly supports give way, they fall back into the crowded ranks of worldlings in a semi-Christian guise. This decision must be self-sacrificing. He who will be holy while it is popular or profitable will never become holy at all. The very essence of holiness is the extinction of selfishness. It requires just as much of the martyr spirit to be a holy man or woman today as it, as it did in the days when they espoused holy men and women to be torn in pieces by wild beasts or chained to them to the stake to be burned. The spirit of persecution is not dead. The old antagonism between sin and holiness still remains. Christ and Belial sustain no more friendly relations to each other than they did in the days of the apostle. It is still true that, as it says in James 4.4, whoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. There must be a willingness to encounter its hostility, to endure the worst that it can inflict upon us. In the 14th chapter of St. Luke are recorded several illustrations which our Lord uses to show the necessity of counting the cost by all who would be his disciples. So, likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. So then, if you would obtain true holiness, you must count of it more value, not only than any one thing, but more than all things else. Things that were of the greatest sources of joy to you must be abandoned if they stand in the way of living a holy life. To obtain holiness, we must sanctify ourselves. This is the Lord's order as laid down in both the Old and the New Testament. He who prays for a harvest must, if he would not mock God, prepare his ground and sow and till and guard against destructive forces in a proper manner. So he who would be holy must break up the fallow ground of his heart and sow to himself in righteousness. To secure spiritual results, it is just as necessary to meet the conditions which God has established as it is to meet physical conditions to secure desired material results. The laws of the spiritual kingdom are as inflexible as those of the vegetable kingdom. No amount of faith or of praying can take the place of the work which God requires us to do. We must show our faith by our works. See how explicit are the directions which God gives to those who would be holy. Leviticus 11.44 For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy. Leviticus 27 Sanctify yourselves therefore, and you shall be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Exodus 19.52 Let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. These passages teach that we must separate ourselves from everything that is impure and set ourselves apart for holy purposes, and God will make us holy. But our part of the work must be done first. All that is necessary for God to do to enable us to do our part, he does in advance. God works in us to will and to do, but he can go no further towards making us saints unless we work out our own salvation as he works within us by his blessed spirit. We are to go to the extent of our our ability before we have any right to expect supernatural aid. Holiness is a voluntary state. A man is not a machine. His freedom of will alone renders him capable of holiness. The New Testament teaching is to the same effect. 2 Corinthians 7.1 
Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Here is taught the second blessing. They are dearly beloved, that is, real Christians. They were already holy in part. Perfecting holiness implies that the work of holiness was already begun in them. Especially notice this part enjoined upon us in this passage. We are to cleanse ourselves. We must not ask the Lord to do what we can do. If tobacco is not a filthiness of the flesh, we are at a loss to know what we can possibly come under that head. If you can use it, you can throw it away. You can wash your mouth. You will, then you are prepared to pit, pray in faith for God to deliver you from the appetite. He has done it for thousands. He can do it for you. Pride is a filthiness of the spirit. God treats it as such. It is so offensive that he does not come near it. Psalm 138.6 But the proud he knoweth afar off. We can lay aside all its outward manifestations and then with confidence ask God to take the holy, the unholy disposition from our hearts. Again, the apostle says, Romans 12.1 I ask you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your act of worship. Here again, we have the second blessing. They were already brothers, but in order to prove that this is the will of God, even your sanctification, we are asked to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. This implies a consecration of every living thing, even our lives, to the service of God. All our powers are to be employed as he directs. If our bodies are given to God, they must be fed and clothed and used for him. We cannot follow the fashions of the world in any particular in which they conflict with the plain directions that God has given. We must be directed by God in our business and in all the affairs of life. To obtain entire sanctification, we must confess our inbred sins, our sinful dispositions, which to a greater or less extent remain after one is truly sanctified to God. 1 John 1, 9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is, if we confess the sins that we have committed, God is faithful to forgive us, for he has promised to do it. If we confess our inbred sins, he is faithful to cleanse us from them, from all unrighteousness. This is what Mr. Wesley means by the repentance of believers. And this is a quote from John Wesley. The repentance consequence upon justification is widely different from that which is antecedent to it. This implies no guilt, no sense of condemnation, no consciousness of the wrath of God. It does not suppose any doubt of the favor of God or any fear that hath torment, unquote. It is properly a conviction wrought by the Holy Ghost of the sin which still remains in our heart, of the carnal mind, which does still remain, as our church speaks, even in them that are regenerate. Even though it does no longer reign, it now has not dominion over them. It is a conviction of our proneness to evil, of a heart bent to backsliding, of the still continuing tendency of the flesh to lust against the spirit. Sometimes, unless we continually watch and pray, it lusts to pride sometimes to anger, sometimes to the love of the world, love of ease, love of honor, and love of pleasure more than of God, is a conviction of the tendency of our heart to self-will, to atheism or idolatry, and above all to unbelief, whereby in a thousand ways and under a thousand pretenses we are ever departing, more or less, from the living God. To be sanctified holy, we must trust implicitly in God 
through the merits of Jesus Christ to do the work now. Just as long as we put it off in the future, just so long the work will be delayed. A belief that it will, it will be done sometime will not bring the blessing, nor will the faith that saves spring up of itself if we meet all the other conditions. It is an active trust that must be voluntarily, consciously exercised. And then I think he's quoting John Wesley here, although he doesn't say, quote, what is the faith whereby we are sanctified, saved from sin and perfected in love? It is divine evidence and conviction. First, that God hath promised it in the Holy Scripture. Secondly, it is a divine evidence and conviction that what God hath promised he is able to perform. It is thirdly a divine evidence and conviction that he is able and willing to do it now. And why not? It's not a moment to him the same as a thousand years. He cannot want more time to accomplish whatever is his will. Certainly you may look for it now. If you believe it is by faith, and by this token you may surely know whether you seek it by faith or by works. If by works you want something to be done first, before you are sanctified. You think, I must first be or do thus or thus. Then you are seeking it by works unto this day. If you seek it by faith, you may expect it as you are. And if as you are, then expect it now. And that's the entire excerpt there from uh, the teaching from B.T. Roberts. Uh, again, it was a little long, but I, I, I think it was worthwhile. And if you follow it along, I think it was certainly uh, helpful to understand holiness, to understand the teachings of free Methodism on holiness. Um, and I don't want to add a whole lot to it. I want his words to stand. Um, but I think this is something that each of us need to really consider and really think about. Again, a link to his, what I've just read, will be in the show notes. So you can go back, print it out, look at it again. Do some more reading on sanctification. And uh, not just what these people say, uh, you know, John Wesley or B.T. Roberts, but what did the scriptures say about it? First John, uh, Romans. Do some reading and discover how this might transform you, this freedom to experience transformation in sanctification via the Holy Spirit, instead of just trying to manage your sin. So, all right, we talked about two freedoms, and now I just want to talk about one more freedom, and I know I promised at the beginning we were going to do some new ones from episode one, different ones from episode one. Uh, however, actually, this last one is one that we discussed in part uh, last time, three years ago. Uh, but this is the freedom from materialism, and we talked a lot about our stuff. Um, but one thing I wanted to highlight today, and this will be our last one for today, um, but one thing I want to highlight about materialism is about technology. We didn't really talk about that as much in episode one. And I wanted to highlight that because I was doing some reading. I was, I've been reading on Sabbath, and um, I've been doing some, uh, reading some different books on, on all sorts of different things. Um, and I was reading a little bit about the difference between Good Friday and Black Friday. And the author was saying that on Good Friday, you know, ultimately what we're talking about when we discuss Good Friday is the idea that, you know, Jesus gave up of himself on Good Friday. He was completely selfless on Good Friday, thinking of not himself, but everyone else, giving of the ultimate thing. He was giving of his life so that others could have life. Now, if that's the definition we're using of Good Friday, really, in one way, we could argue the opposite of that day is Black Friday. If you've ever gone out on Black Friday, I, I've gone a couple times, and I, I very rarely, if ever, made a purchase. Uh, when I was in my younger college years, I just thought it was fun to go out and see the craziness, just actually be a part of walking around and seeing what it was like. So I went probably two, maybe three times. Um, if you've ever been out there, you know how crazy it gets. 
and everybody's focused on getting something for themselves. And I mean, but I mean by that is their own purchases. They may be buying something for somebody for Christmas, but they're all worried about their own purchases. And uh, you know, when I was in college, uh, there was a. It was crazy. You know, you'd have to go out in the middle of the night. Maybe you go out at midnight and get in the lines if you wanted to be one of the first to get the big the big deal, right? Um, you'd go at midnight and wait until like 4 a.m. in the line. Um, and there was a lot of craziness about that. But now it's even pushed back. Like in recent years, stores are opening in the middle of, of Thanksgiving Day. So if you want to get the best deals, you need to line up during where what would normally be designated as the Thanksgiving lunch or the Thanksgiving dinner with your family. So you may be out there shopping for your family for Christmas gifts on Black Friday, but you are not being selfless in that. You're trying to get the best deal, but you're giving up time with your family for this deal. So really, this is the opposite of the Good Friday idea of giving selflessly. Black Friday is all about what can I get? What can I get for cheaper, cheaper, cheaper? Consumerism, consumerism, right? And a part of that, if you've ever been out to like say Target or any of these stores, there are sales on different things in some of those bigger stores. Like there are sales on clothes and you know, um, board games or whatever. And some people are there, but most of the people flock right to the technology section, right? They're there to get the iPads, to get the new iPhone, to get whatever it is that's, you know, 10% off or 15% off. It's, it's cheaper that day. You know, the new Xbox or Nintendo. Uh, so people are mostly interested in purchasing on these days the big video games, the technology, the electronics. Um, and so a lot of our materialism today is wrapped up in the stuff that we have. And what's crazy is that it's not only hurting us in terms of our, our materialism is not only hurting us in terms of our um, just kind of disconnection from people, uh, but it's also hurting us in many other ways. So for example, um, we have more and more technology. We're buying more and more stuff, right? We have our iPads, we have the phones, we have, you know, Netflix, and all of this kind of technological revolution happened around the year 2000. That's when we started really getting into the internet and everything really started speeding up in, in the year 2000. In the year 2000, the average human attention span was about 12 seconds. So in other words, you'd have 12 seconds of your undivided attention on something and then your mind would kind of wander to something else or you'd think, oh, I gotta do that or you know, let me check over here and do this. 12 seconds, it's not long, but 12 seconds is what it was. Now, 20 years later, here in 2020, the average human attention span is about eight seconds. So we've actually gone down four seconds uh, in the span of 20 years. And uh, researchers link this specifically to technology. Um, to give us a comparison of, kind of give us an idea of where we're at on the scale, uh, we, as I said, right now have a attention span of eight seconds. Goldfish have an attention span of nine seconds. So we are losing to goldfish. Our attention span is less than the average goldfish. Uh, that is troubling, I hope, to you. Um, and so the researchers link this to technology. They say, I mean, if you think about your average, I mean, I have the iPad in front of me right now, right? I'm, I'm recording this. And as I'm recording this, I have up my screen that is showing me my microphone and it's showing me all the levels are, are recording, right? But throughout this, I saw a Twitter message pop up. Somebody you know, sent me a message on Twitter. 
And then a little Facebook notification pops up at the top of the screen. You gotta swipe it away. But what, I would, what would normally happen is if I'm working on something, typing up a paper, for example, and that comes down, oh, somebody just sent me a message. I gotta check out what that is. And you go over there. That is leading towards the extension span going down and down and down. And this happens all the time on our phones. You're texting somebody, you send the text, but then something else comes up and it leads you to get off track. You go over there. There's so many things that come into our mind because we're constantly on the technology having other things popping up all the time. Little notification bells that are ringing and showing us, check this out. What about this news story that just happened? Oh, I got to see what that's all about. There's this new advancement in the coronavirus story. Oh man, I got to check that out. Even though I know I'm in work, but I saw that pop up. I got to click on it, right? So there's these, it, it, it is adding to the the de, um, the decrease of our attention span throughout the years. And uh, what's kind of also alarming is uh, tech people. So in Silicon Valley, where Google and Apple and all the high executives live, um, they are peddling these products, right? They are selling us these things. They are Their job is to figure out how can we market and sell the iPad? How can we sell the new Droid? How can we sell the next Galaxy Edge? Whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> I just realized what I said, by the way. Galaxy Edge, I don't think is a phone that is that is the new land at, at Star Wars at Hollywood Studios in, in Magic at, 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 uh, at Disney. I'm so I'm so frazzled right now. I don't I'm got Disney on the mind. Okay, set that aside. <laughs> the top executives at Google trying to sell the phones, okay? Um in Silicon Valley. They know their job is to sell us this stuff. But what is interesting recently that's come out in the news is that they are paying big bucks. The executives are paying big bucks to send their children to private schools that are device-free schools. In other words, at those schools, you can't use any technology stuff. It's old school stuff. It's like, let's just get to the chalkboard and you write a paper and you, you know, read books. Like that's how we teach you what you need to do. You don't get a free iPad at school that everybody uses as most of our schools do now. You don't get to use your phones in class uh, as many schools just kind of allow now. Like this is, they're, they're, it's a lockdown. And the high tech executives in Silicon Valley are sending their kids here. That shows us that they know what they're not telling us, obviously, because it would decrease their product, that there is something that is harmful when we introduce the technology, the materialism into the classroom. And this freedom that we're talking about, this freedom from materialism, uh, I, I, I'll be bold enough to say it, it's sad that we do not see this freedom a whole lot in our Free Methodist Church as a denomination as a whole. Uh, we do see, as I talked about earlier, I gave the example of the freedom of the Holy Spirit to inspire our worship. You know, we, we have different types of worship. The Holy Spirit inspires us. We have that freedom. We have the freedom for women to serve in ministry, to be ordained. We see that freedom lived out. We have the freedom to experience the sanctification. We have many teachers and free Methodist individuals teaching on sanctification and what it means. We are learning about that. We have that freedom to, to have be free from sin management. We see this lived out today in the free Methodist church. But when was the last time we truly, truly, truly saw a free Methodist church living out the freedom from materialism, like really focused on the, the, the harm that materialism gives us today and really telling our people like, we need to 
we need to back off on the buying. We need to back off on being so concerned about getting stuff so quick. The closest that I can think of to a free Methodist organization that's doing that would be the Set Free Movement. I mean, they're talking to us about time and time again through newsletters and through the website to be careful about our purchases. Be careful about where you're buying because fast fashion and fast buy, uh, cutting corners, you know, somebody somewhere pays for that. And it's with their lives. It's with their livelihood. It's with slave labor. Um, So we are getting that teaching. But as a whole, this is something that, this is a freedom that we really need to be careful about. Uh, in America, we are all being harmed by the increase in what is promised to make us smarter, the smartphones. It's promised to make our lives easier, and yet we are losing our attention span. We are um, addicted to technology. We are uh, addicted to the, the notification, just like the chime of the slot machine in, in the in the. Um, casinos. There are so many things we could go on and continue to talk about have ha- how harmful this actually is to us. I'm not saying we go out and throw away our devices right now. I mean, I have an iPhone. I have the iPhone 8. I have the iPad. But I am, am trying to implement in my life. I At least once a week, I turn off everything for 24 hours. All the technology. I don't go on Facebook. I don't go on Netflix. No TV. Um, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. But we need to start figuring out how can we be free from these effects. And not only from materialism, from just buy, buy, buy and the greediness of that, but how do we get free from what seems to be the biggest materialism in our culture today, which is the electronics. I got to get the newest iPhone. I've got to get the newest thing so that my life can be simpler, so that I can be more connected. It's not going to be more connected. And we need to start being bold about telling people that and saying like, listen, this is one of the freedoms of the Free Methodist Church. We need to get back to teaching people and telling people about this freedom from materialism. Because if not, we're going to end up in big trouble. I mean, 20 years, we've lost four four seconds of attention span. What will we have in 20 years from now? I mean, will we have four seconds? That would be scary, wouldn't it? To only be able to focus on something for four seconds before you're off on the next thing. And honestly, I've worked with youth groups for many years, and more and more I see less attention spans with kids uh, now. Kids are always like, oh, jumping all over the place. And they, they can't focus on anything. You got to keep on saying, hey, guys, focus, focus right over here. Let's look, look at this. You know, this is important. It, it's, it's scary. So that's why I wanted to bring up the materialism freedom again. And uh, I don't want this episode to be too long, but I thought it would be great to come back to uh, some more freedoms and discuss more on these freedoms. I hope this was helpful for you. Um, if you have any of the freedoms that you we did not discuss in any of these episodes and you think you'd like to highlight, or if you say, hey, my church actually does very deeply um, believe in and live out this freedom from materialism, please email me, send me a voicemail on the show voicemail, um, message over on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever it is. Love to hear from you. Um, but we will be back next week with episode 140. See you then.